In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. At the beginning of our service today, I spoke some very important words to you. These words did not simply convey information to you, nor did they comment on something that might be true. These words were performative, and that they actually accomplished something. I spoke absolution. I spoke forgiveness to you. And by that word, the Holy Spirit, by that word that the Holy Spirit brought to your ears, a cosmic event occurred. Every evil thought, every wicked deed, every careless word that you've ever carried out against God or your neighbor was removed from you as far as the east is from the west. It took only three seconds, but the floodgates of God's grace were opened to you. And you live now within what Dr. Jeff Gibbs calls the flow of forgiveness. Last week we heard the first part of Matthew chapter 18 in which Jesus taught his disciples about true greatness in the kingdom of God through the example of a child. And he launched into this wonderful, albeit stern, discourse about his concern for the little ones, those who are despised by the world, those who are considered less important than anyone else, the lowest among us. It's those that Jesus considers the most important in his kingdom. Jesus is concerned for those who are despised by the world, right? And it's that concern that he has for the little ones that ties all these verses together. From the beginning of chapter uh, 18 all the way through the end, which is where we are today. You know, Jesus is concerned for those who stray uh, from and wander from the faith and are in danger of being devoured by the world and by the devil. So, we should go after them because Jesus loves them and he's concerned for them. Jesus told us about how to handle business in the church whenever things go south and people sin against one another. His concern is for those who are in desperate need of forgiveness. So it is in this context that Peter raises this question. One that points to a problem for all of us. Because he hears Jesus' teaching about how to deal with those who commit sins against one another in the church. And he, like us, require a little bit more information. Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? It makes sense, right? If I extend forgiveness to someone, especially a Christian brother or sister, and they still haven't learned their lesson by time number seven, and they still keep committing the same sin against me, how much forgiveness is too much? It must stop at some point, right? You've got to draw the line somewhere. And give Peter some credit. The common teaching by the rabbis in those days was how many times does someone get forgiven? Just three times. Three times and that's it. So at least Peter was moving the goalposts a little bit. At least he was being more generous than the rabbis of his time. And if we're honest, seven times is plenty for us. Seven times is about all I can muster if I can even make it past one. Anything beyond that, it's time for me to rake somebody over the coals 
via social media or the rumor mills, right? He brought it on himself. Perhaps if we were in Peter's shoes, we would ask Jesus, now Jesus, you said forgive, but you didn't say forget, right? That's always the thing, right? Well, I forgive, but I don't forget. Can I still bear grudges, Jesus? Well, what is Jesus' response to Peter? I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Or as some know from the King James translation, right? 70 times seven. The number is unimportant. The, the, the point that Jesus is making is that whatever you think is the sufficient number to extend forgiveness to your brother, it isn't enough. Keep going. Keep going up. Keep raising the number because it's never going to be enough. This attitude of the heart that we all struggle with, it reveals that we need to actually refresh ourselves on the mechanics of forgiveness. How does a forgiven child of God function in this world versus one that doesn't live from that forgiveness versus one who actually lives under judgment? It's what the disciples needed to hear. It's what we need to hear today. Jesus tells a parable about a king who goes to collect debts from his servants. One servant owed him 10,000 talents. I'll spare you the math, but it would take several lifetimes to pay off this debt. And as the servant was about to be sold into slavery along with his family so that at least he could be of some use, he begged the king to be patient with him and that he would pay back everything. It's not even possible, but he wants to try anyway. And the king took pity on him and released him from the debt. Not one single denarius would be owed. It would be a wonderful story if it ended there. The servant goes to his peer to settle his own payments. His fellow servant owed him 100 denarii, only 100 days worth of labor. Not several lifetimes, just 100 days. Right away, he began choking his fellow servant, demanding that he pay up or else. And his fellow servant fell to the ground and had that same plea for mercy that he had once had, right? Have patience with me and I will pay you. But rather than treat his fellow servant as he had been treated, he threw him in prison. And when word got to the king about this event, the king called him wicked and had him locked up. He didn't call him wicked because of the massive debt that he had once had. That's not why he called him wicked. He called him wicked because of his refusal to forgive others their debts, which were a pittance by comparison. Jesus said, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Ouch. <laughs> but it's hard to forgive. Especially in this radical way that Jesus describes. This is hard. I think whenever it comes to those, those, uh, those little 
things that we're called to forgive, like when a fellow Christian keeps interrupting you, or whenever they take the last pump of coffee in the parish hall, right? The, we, we do well with those things, you know, overlooking them, forgiving them for the most part. But when it's those bigger things, those real arguments, the, the mudslinging, the, the backbiting, this really gets put to the test. It's easier to find another church. It's easier to avoid people. It's safer. It's more comfortable. You don't actually have to do the hard work of forgiving. No need to forgive whenever you just don't exist to me anymore. What are we to do when we know we should forgive our brothers and sisters, even in some of the bigger things, and it seems difficult? But there's a whole other layer to this thing that garners some serious reflection. What about those who have sinned against you in such a way that it seems not just difficult, but impossible to forgive? I know some of the hurts that you deal with. Some of the awful things that have been committed against you. Those things that you don't like to talk about out loud, but those things that are regular conversations within your psyche. We're all dealing with various levels of trauma, betrayal, or abuse. It's a sin-filled world. And I'm not just saying that as a platitude. It, It affects all of us. What are we to do? What are we to do when we legitimately want to forgive those serious evils that have been committed against us and it just seems impossible? The solution is that we avail ourselves of the infinite forgiveness that is ours in Christ Jesus. The solution is that we live within the flow of forgiveness. We we position ourselves under the deluge of God's continual outpouring of His radical grace through Jesus as it comes to us in the gospel and the sacraments. You know, the king in the parable, he invited his servant to live within a world, to live within a kingdom where his incalculable debt was erased. He invited him to live in freedom and not under the yoke of slavery. The fact that he went and did what he did to his fellow servant showed that he did not care to live within that world. He did not care to live within that kingdom of grace. Jesus reminds us today that we live within this world, this kingdom that he has brought to earth through his life death, and resurrection, where the sins that we've committed against God and one another, which are too many to count, they have all been wiped out, erased from the ledger, no questions asked. Okay, maybe God forgives my sins, but he still remembers them, right? He still demands justice, right? For I will forgive their sins, And I will remember their iniquities no more, says Hebrews 8. Yeah, but he's God and he knows everything, right? Surely that can't mean what it says. Yes, it does. It does. He's God, which means he can do what he wants. And that means if he wants to forget your sins, he very well can. And he has. 
You see, you live in the kingdom of heaven here and now where there is a constant flow of forgiveness. You live in that kingdom which is embodied and and it's rehearsed in the holy Christian church. The church is the world done right. You know that? It doesn't always look that way, but that's what we're doing here. We We are the world done right. There's a ton of reasons that God has given you a church But do you want to know one of the main reasons? So that you will be a continual recipient of His gifts. Namely, forgiveness. Did you know that the church is unlike any other institution on earth? And that is what we are talking about here. That is what Jesus is telling Peter. He said, if your brother sins against you, Right? We are talking about the community of the faithful, the community of the baptized, in which there is constant flow of forgiveness of sins. The church, the church is unlike any other institution on earth. It is utterly unique. How so? Forgiveness. This is the currency that we're dishing out to one another and to the world. The real forgiveness that flows from Calvary and makes us new and restores the fallen creation. The world done right. If you remember in your catechism, in this Christian church, the Holy Spirit daily and richly forgives me all my sins and the sins of all believers. Daily and richly for you, for me, Remember the absolution that was spoken to you today? Which one of your sins was forgiven? All of them. All of them blotted out, taken away. What about in your baptism? Which one of your sins was forgiven in your baptism? All of them, right? What about the body and blood of Christ, which we eat and drink today? How many sins are forgiven? All of them. What about this gospel that I preach to you today? How many, of it, how many of your sins does it forgive by God's grace? All of them, past, present, and future, wiped out. You're under a deluge of grace from an abundant God who daily clothes you not in your sins and your shame, but in the righteousness of Christ. And it's through His grace that not only are your sins taken away, but the sins that others have committed against you no longer have power over you. You are not indebted to your Lord, nor are you under the yoke of slavery to those who have abused or betrayed you. Your Lord is here today to speak tenderly and kindly to you. You're not a slave. But you're a son. You're a daughter. You belong to Him. You cannot have your sins anymore because they are paid for. You cannot serve the enemy who would have you believe that the sins of others now control you. Jesus has put an end to that arrangement. Jesus has settled those accounts on your behalf. When I put it that way, it becomes... A little easier to forgive the sins of others, doesn't it? Now, by God's grace, we will not make it a habit of sinning against each other in our congregation. But when we do stumble, let us be the church. 
knowing that we live within the flow of forgiveness. Let's do what Jesus calls us to do, knowing that our measureless debt is completely wiped out through his blood. Let's have the absolution be the final word in our dealings with one another. Something that we'll have the opportunity to do here in just a minute, whenever we pass the peace. That's what we're doing. We are forgiving one another's sins. We're making sure everything's good between us. But when it seems impossible to forgive those grievous things that you wrestle with whenever your pillow hits, whenever your head hits the pillow tonight, know that your Lord knows your pain. He has entered that pain in his incarnation and his suffering, and he still daily bears it along with you as he is with you in your suffering. And as you avail yourself of the means of grace, the gospel and the sacraments, as you take up his word, as you live within the Christian church, as you are a continual recipient of God's abundant forgiveness, you will have all the supply you need to forgive those unspeakable things, to not only live within the flow of forgiveness, but to let it flow out of you, even to the most undeserving. Allow me to make sure that you are well supplied. In the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.